the Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It had nothing to do with like the hits or anything like that. I just didn't like, you know, getting kind of pummeled at home um, like I did. So I wanted to, um, you know, a lot of people didn't want me to do it, but I wanted to. So, um, you know, it's kind of a way um, for me to stick up for myself. It wasn't had anything to do with owing anybody or anything. It was just I was doing it for myself there. Oh, now we've got another fight. Matthew Kachuk and Zach Cassian have dropped the gloves. Cassian takes down Kachuk and then throws two or three late punches with Kachuk down on the ice. He wanted to fight right away, but I uh, I wanted to keep him guessing a little bit. And, uh, but he wanted to. I respect him for that, and I told him before we even dropped the gloves when we were going to. Um, it's the way it is. Now it's over. Um, wish that would have happened uh, in the first place, and then it would have been done. But um, respect him for stepping up to the plate. Um, uh, that's that. While yesterday we all agreed that Matthew Kachuk did not need to fight Zach Cassian, but he still did it. Wasn't much of a fight. But if you're a code maker, all the code makers out there, we kept talking about the code. Are we satisfied with that? Is that okay? Or are there still scores to be settled and pounds of flesh to be exacted after last night's game? Has Matthew Kachuk satisfied his oath that he took when signing an NHL contract? <laughs> I am being slightly sarcastic. Slightly? I am being extremely sarcastic. <laughs> um, I'm not being sarcastic, though, when I ask this question, Mr. Klein. Does this squash the beef or does the rivalry continue? That's not sarcastic because I don't know the answer. I really don't because I don't know what the code is. I don't know what the rules are. But if you were one, whether you were objectively looking at it or whether you were emotionally invested in this game, does that squash the beef and does that does that settle everything or does this rivalry between Matthew Kachuk and Zach Cassian continue? I don't know the answer. I think it should squash the beef, but I hope it doesn't. If you know what I'm saying, because mm -hmm. the the more that that rivalry exists, the better theater it is for us. And I'm very selfish. I like good theater, and I like things to talk about that are put on my lap. <laughs> but what about you? Does does this squash it? Is it done with, or does this continue? I think it squashes it for now. I I don't think that going into Saturday anything needs to happen in in that sense. Um, I, I do think we'll get it again at some point because that's just who Matthew Kachuk is and that's just who Zach Cassian is. And there's always going to be a, well, I can push that button if I need to. Uh, I think Kachuk knows that and I think Cassian will respond in the exact same way he did regardless of the, the situation. But no, I, I think for now that one has been squashed. I think there might be a, a little something-something from uh, Geo sticking his butt out and uh, Connor McDavid hitting it. I think there might be a little something for that for Saturday. But as far as Kachuk v. Cassian, I think uh, this round at least is over. Uh, I am, by the way, I am here for the bantamweight fights. Like <laughs> yes. you and I, you and I being big fight fans, like some some of the most exciting fights that you'll find come at 135, 145, and 155 pounds. Like give me these fights, like the flyweight and the bantamweight fights. That's what I'm here for. I don't yeah. know Sean Monahan, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, may, maybe flyweight, maybe bantamweight's a little bit too little for, but yeah. You know, uh, g give me some of those lightweight fights. Give me the cruiserweights from WCW. That's what we saw <laughs> with Sean Monaghan and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And, you know, there were a couple of missed shots, and you could tell this is not a, a natural state for them, but they still did it. 
they they still went through. It was like it was like the first time going on a scary roller coaster in your face right before you hit that drop. You're like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here, but I'm stuck. I got to do it. And they did it. I'm here for that all day. Give me more. Next time, I need Johnny Gaudreau and Kyler Yamamoto to drop the gloves. Um, who else could we say? Like, give me Chris Russell versus Oliver Shillington. Yes. Like, I want to see some more of these not-so-natural fighters go toe-to-toe. Yeah, I, I think like Manjapani versus Manjapani versus Yamamoto when they were kind of getting into it on a face off. Of, oh, come on, just do it. Let let's just, just do it. Let's roll with this one. In in Lucha Libre, they have minis for, uh, wrestling matches, and that's one I wanted there with uh, with Yamamoto and and Manjapani. But yeah, it was yelled in the background, and then you mentioned it there. The one we need. We didn't even come close last night. I need a goalie fight. <sighs> maybe maybe that's what needs to happen. Riddick did the the old stick toss at the uh, the end of the game when Bautista did that against the the Texas Rangers. Yeah, does that break a code? Uh, Rudnit Odor punched him in the mouth the, the next year. So now maybe Mike Smith feels he yeah, needs but the, to, the problem, to the answer problem, a bell there. The problem there is that David Riddick is not inherently dislikable or unlikable. Jose Bautista was True. and remains uh, complete. Like the old, like Jose Bautista was baseball's Brad Marchand or Matthew Kachuk. Mm-hmm. Like I- unless you were a Blue Jays fan. And even a lot of Blue Jays fans are like, just hit home runs and stop talking. But, you know, most people did not like Jose Bautista. Rudnagel Odor might be at the front of the line, <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people in the baseball world were pretty happy when he got cracked in the mouth. Yes, uh, like I, David Riddick's a very inherently likable human being, right? Right, but I I would say that Mike Smith is inherently someone who doesn't need a lot to get mad at you. Uh, like That's he, also he, true. He strikes me as someone who, in the, the heat of competition, it, it doesn't take a lot to light that fuse. So I, I don't know if it's going to be the potentially unlikable nature of David Riddick, of which there's basically none, but I, I think it's more going to be the, the, the hatred in the eyes for all things not his team that Mike Smith would have. Yeah, and you know what? If Mike Smith is going again on Saturday against Riddick, then maybe we do. We're not going to get a goalie fight. I'm sorry. Uh, I, just, I don't want to. You know taking what? Taking this from me. I am a chronic under-promiser. Well, I am an under-promiser, under-deliverer, but I like to live by under-promise, over-deliver. So if I tell <laughs> you that it's not going to happen and it happens, how much happier are you going to be? Whereas if I tell you it's going to happen and it happens, okay, it's expected, but then if it doesn't happen, you're going to cut my break line. So if I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you that it's not going to happen, and if it happens, then you'll just be a happy camper. That's, that's, that's the way that I live my life, Klein. I appreciate that you think that you saying there's going to be a goalie fight and <laughs> And then there isn't. Will escalate to me cutting your break line. I, like, well, yeah, I, know, no, I mean, this is the only rational form. I've known form. you for a decade, young man. <laughs> That's I true. know how you work. <laughs> yeah. That's me, old brake line my, cutter Klein. I check my car all the time. <laughs> I'm always pumping those brakes to make sure that you haven't screwed me over. Yeah, I, th- I think um, every time you make uh, intern Jaden go and start your car for you is it, a little <laughs> much, but, I mean, that's whatever, man. You do no, you. I'm not I'm not letting bleach blonde hair like that go anywhere near my vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess you would have saw that last night. Oh, I did, it's so yeah. good. It's good. I mean, it's something. That's yep. actually a better word for it. Uh, what else we got here at nine six zero nine six zero? Um, here, well, not what else. Here's what we have on nine six zero nine six zero. Um, well, Steinberg, as an Oilers fan who is quick to chirp all week about everything wrong with Kachuk, I sit here today having done a complete one eighty. He earned my full respect last night. Good on him. Now back to hating the Flames. See you Saturday. That 
That right there is a unicorn. That's wow. a, that's a rational Oilers fan. I didn't know they existed. <laughs> I think Man. there's a lot of that though. After like Cassian said, yeah, I appreciate what he did, and I think Cassian thanked him on the ice um, for the, the the spirited scrap. After I think that I think that one's going to be pretty common. I, I don't speak to a lot of Oilers fans just as a rule, but I, I think that one's going to be pretty pretty common amongst people today. I think Kachuk kind of gained at least a bit of the respect that for some reason he lost when getting thrown around the ice a couple weeks ago. Pat, ask Klein if Nugent Hopkins and Monaghan are entering best of the Super Juniors this spring. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I think I think you could see that. Can you explain I, it? Because I have no idea what that means. Best of the Super Juniors is New Japan Pro Wrestling's cruiserweight tournament that they run run, uh, once a year. Thank you. That's why I said, can you please explain this? Yeah. Uh, That felt like a playoff game. I don't remember the last time I got so excited for a Wednesday night 8 p.m. game. Um, They said on TV last night it was Monaghan's first fight in the NHL. It was. That was his first ever NHL fight. It was just the third career fight for Ryan Nugent Hopkins, noted pugilist. And looked every Um, bit of it. Here's one from Dale. Pat, good afternoon. It's the guy you hate. I was completely wrong in regards to last night's game. I just thought it was going to be called so closely by the refs it would squeeze the life out of the game. I'm glad I was wrong. The refs were not great, but they let them play. Highly entertaining. That comes from Dale. Remember yesterday I said, I hate you. Mm-hmm. I hate you, whoever you are, 3190. I wasn't serious, but uh, now our beef is squashed as well. We don't have to worry about it. We're good. Uh, you've answered the bell. You've earned my respect, and you have lived up to the code. Welcome to the Steinberg Show on this lovely Thursday afternoon. Flames win 4-3 in a shootout over the Edmonton Oilers last night. 3-3 in this year's Battle of Alberta. It's time for last night's Game in a Minute. Good evening, hockey fans, and welcome inside Rogers Place in Edmonton for round three of the season's Battle of Alberta between Matthew Kachuk and the 26-19-6 Calgary Flames and Connor McDavid and the 26-18-5 Edmonton Oilers. Here come the Flames in. Sharp angle shot. They score. Oh, now we've got another fight. Matthew Kachuk and Zach Cassian have dropped the gloves. Cassian takes down Kachuk and then throws two or three late punches with Kachuk down on the ice. With the draw, Nugent Hopkins, a shot stop, rebound, they score. Far quarter at center, Majapani scores. Majapani shoots and scores! Andrew Majapani showing fantastic patience. Outsweights Mike Smith and backhands the puck by the down and out Oilers goaltender. And the Flames have their third one goal lead of this Battle of Alberta. It is three to two. And here comes Benning and he shoots and he scores! Drysaddle bursting it up the middle. Drysaddle shoots and he's stopped by Riddick! A game-saving stop by Big Save Dave. And this crazy contest, this back-and-forth Battle of Alberta, will be decided in a shootout. It is 3-3 following 65 minutes. Monahan picks up the puck at the red line, weaves his way in up the middle, deeks, shoots, and scores! A nice backhand-to-forehand move. Sean Monahan beats Mike Smith and gives the Flames a 1-0 lead in the shootout. Dreisaitl to the backhand, poke checked by Riddick. Game over, and the Flames move to 3-0 in this season's Battle of Alberta. They beat the Oilers 4-3 in a shootout. Game in a minute, brought to you by Hyatt Infinity. Right now, buy a 2019 QX60 and receive $10,000 off with a cash purchase. 
Lots to talk about coming out of that game last night. Another close one between these two teams. One goal game. Could have gone either way, just like the game on January 11th. Could have gone either way. Both times the Flames are able to win those one goal showdowns, but definitely a scenario where you could have seen it going uh, to the Oilers, depending on the way you know the, the puck would have bounced when it's all said and done. Kleiner, safe to say that these two teams maybe a little closer than perhaps we thought coming into the season? I know in the standings they are, but take a look at the last two games played between these two. There's there's not a whole lot separating the Flames and the Oilers on the ice right now. No, there, there really isn't. I, I thought, especially because the first one was kind of an ass-kicking, but the, the last two games have been very close. And that one, I mean, it went to a shootout, so quite literally could have gone either way. But you, you, you just had the feel that this was one that was going to swing. One mistake or another could really put one team over the top. It was that close. So, no, I, I come away from this one thinking that these two teams are pretty evenly matched. And I think when you look at it, we probably should have caught that coming in, where obviously with McDavid and Dreisaitl, the high end of what Edmund can, can do isn't really matched by many teams in the league. Yep. It's the depth that Calgary has the opportunity to kind of take advantage. And you see a bit of it last night with uh, Andrew Manjapani having a, a pretty good game for the Flames last night. And you don't really see that from a lot of the depth guys that, that Edmonton has, uh, all due respect to the efforts of Sam Gagne last night. And the, the difference to me really comes down to the consistency and goal. And if you get strong Mike Smith which you know on any given night you can get that, then these two teams do stack up pretty evenly. So, yeah, I I, I come away from these last couple games thinking no, that... No love that, to Koskinen? Uh, no, I think I gave Koskinen the appropriate amount of love in that. Um, he's, been, he's been the better goalie there. Okay, fine. Yes, I the point I'm making is that with Mike Smith, I think when he is on, he is the better of the two goalies, and they both have a floor that can completely bottom out. Um, but either way... I, I prefer the Flames goaltending situation yeah, to that of the Oilers goaltending situation, regardless of which one's in there and the consistency that they can show. But when either Oilers goalie is on their game, it evens things out a little bit more. So, yeah, this is if this ends up being a playoff series, this is probably one that's going six or seven. I think so. I think it'd be a close series if they played in the playoffs. I'm not ready to think about that because it, it gives me it gives me anxiety, literally. <laughs> but um, and I'm I'm not being kidding. Like that actually makes me anxious to think about. Yeah. Um, Mark Giordano's facing plenty of criticism in Edmonton right now, and not just in Edmonton. Uh, plenty of league-wide conversation about what happened late in the second period where he obstructed Connor McDavid um, in, in what I believe was a dangerous way. Um, your, your thoughts on the, I don't know what the, the right term would be, the, the criticism, the frustration, and in some circles, outrage directed towards Calgary's captain. Uh, I, I think given past history, some of it is a, a little warranted. He was the one who made the play that injured McDavid and just the timing of it with the documentary coming out and with so many people focusing on it that he did something along the lines of going low on Connor McDavid again. It doesn't look great. I think it was 1000% a penalty. I think a lot of it was just reactionary and he's getting beat by a player that has a very special skill set and wasn't exactly expecting that type of a move to beat him. So I think a lot of it was reactionary. It looks really bad and it is a dangerous hit. I don't think it's a suspension, but I do think that 100% should have been a penalty call to that moment of the game. Yeah, 
I thought it was a dangerous play. I understand why McDavid was upset. I actually don't relate it to the McDavid situation in Game 82 last year. I really don't. Um, that was that, that to me was, you know, and I know the, the big criticism of Giordano in Game 82 last year was the fact that, well, I mean, it's Game 82. Why are you doing that? Giordano doesn't have an on-off switch. So no. that, that to me, I don't compare those. What, what bothers, bothers the wrong word. Eh, maybe bothers the right word. What I think is a valid conversation is a little bit of a history of Giordano and hits that look like that. It's funny; it's on right now on Sportsnet West. Yeah, this was not this was not a, a, a knee being extended, but it was a dangerous extension again by Mark Giordano. It it happened. It's happened on two different Anaheim players, Bobby Ryan and and Cam Fowler. It happened last year on Miko Koivu and hurt him bad, and he was suspended for it. I don't believe Mark Giordano was a dirty player, and I, of all four of those, I never believe that there is dirty intent. I really don't. No. What I believe is that Mark Giordano does not give up on a play, and his instincts sometimes get the better of him, and it puts him in a bad spot, puts him in a situation where he does something dangerous, and, and I think that was dangerous last night. I, I really do. And, and I, I don't necessarily think this will be a suspension, and, and, or, or it should be. There, yeah, there probably should have been a penalty called on the ice, but I think the fact that there are people upset about it, I understand, and the fact that it has happened before, I understand. So, do I think it was dangerous? Yes. Do I realize there's been a history of it? Yes. I don't think there is intent. I don't believe it's predatory, but I do think that it's something that, as as time goes along, and I know he's 36 years old, but I, I do think it's something that he would be advised to maybe think about when he's on the ice. And I don't know if that's possible because of the way he's wired. Like, he is so wired to not give up on plays. That's part of the reason why he has gotten to where he is in his NHL career. But, yeah, that was a, a dangerous play. It was not a knee-on-knee, but it was a dangerous extension. And I understand why there'd be some frustration on it. I thought the mm-hmm. one against Koivu was more dangerous. The one against Fowler was more, was more dangerous. But that one was also dangerous. And it could have been a whole lot worse but because McDavid's fine I don't think there's going to be a suspension and we move on but I understand why league-wide there's been some hey wait a second and why Oilers fans are are upset about it I I do get that yes no and and it is it's it's a dangerous play and it's a a play for Geo where it's like okay he's not one to to ever take the L but that's one where Kind of accept you're going to get beat on that and just try to get back into a better spot. I don't know. It, it, it's a tough spot to be in, but at the end of the day, it is a dangerous play. And again, one that a thousand percent should have been called on the ice is at least a penalty. Like that, that is there textbook is, interference on that. There's lots of not being there. There is some like some of the stuff that was called versus what was not called last night was yeah. hard to. The slash on Geo was bit. borderline. I mean, it is technically a penalty, but it's. Of all the stuff you're letting go, and that's what you're calling, it was weird. It was, yeah, a weirdly called game last night. And I, I guess I, I know why the cross check on Kachuk wasn't called because it was on Kachuk, but still, that was a dangerous play by Nurse. Could have been worse, and yep. that wasn't called. Probably should have. There's, you know, Mike Smith was definitely. <laughs> 
in the midst of taking two penalties on his over the glass. He took the over the glass, but he was clearly outside the trapezoid. Right. Some... I didn't see a lot of people talking about that. That, that was 100% outside of the trapezoid. Yeah, there was, there was some missed calls last night on both sides. It was a strangely called game. I will not deny that. Uh, perhaps this is something that will be talked about tomorrow on Lou's Mailbag, which is every Friday on Hockey Central at noon. Get your questions in at sportsnet.ca slash 960. If your question gets read on the air, you'll win a pair of lower bowl seats to an upcoming Flames game and a $100 gift card to Ruth's Chris. Make it a night out. Lose Mailbag brought to you by Ruth's Chris Tankhouse, your private dining destination. Do business across the dinner table, not the conference table. Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. It's all about Super Bowl 54 coming up next. Let's win you some money on the spread, the total, some props too. That's all next on the Steinberg Show, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Super Bowl 54 is Sunday, and we are here to make you some money. Whether you're into betting the spread, if you're hitting the totals, if you like playing props, if you don't even like sports, you can bet on the Super Bowl on Sunday. Welcome back. It's time to welcome in our handicapping expert, Ian McMillan from Odd Shark, who joined us on Thursday. Happy Super Bowl week, Ian. This is the most wonderful time of the year for someone with your vocation. Yes, it is. This is like our Christmas coming up. Uh, it's fantastic. Super Bowl is finally here. I'm excited for it. Pat, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm jacked as well. I think it's going to be a great football game, A. And B, I think it's going to be a lot of fun in terms of betting on this one. Let's start with the point spread because, you know, we've seen it move a little bit but not too much. What are we looking at right now with San Fran and KC in terms of the spread? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's yeah, it stayed just about the same. The Chiefs are a one and a half point favorite. You might be able to get it at one point, depending on uh, the the place that you're betting at. Um, but I tell you, man, this is almost every single person who bets feels the same way. This is the ultimate brain versus gut game because if you look at the numbers, so I, I haven't even decided who I'm going to bet on yet. I think I have to wait until I'm going to wake up Sunday morning and then I'm going to decide because if you look at the numbers. San Francisco is the bet. They're a slight underdog, and the big difference is we know what we're going to get from San Francisco. They're going to run the ball. We know what we're going to get from Kansas City. They're going to throw the ball. So we got to look at the defense, uh, the defensive side of the ball. San Francisco in the regular season allowed the fewest pass yards per game, only allowing 169.2 pass yards per game, whereas the Chiefs allowed the seventh most rush yards per game. So they were, they were allowed in the regular season 128.2 rush yards against them per game, 4.9 yards per carry per game. So that, along with a lot of underlying stats, if you're going to be, if you want to bet with your brain and if you just want to bet the numbers, San Francisco is the pick just because their defense matches up to the Kansas City's offense much better than the Kansas City defense matches up to the San Francisco offense. But the other side of the argument is just the gut feeling, the heart, Kansas City, 7-0 and against the spread heading into the Super Bowl, and no matter what stat you look at, it's very hard to justify a bet against Patrick Mahomes the way that he's been playing. Um, I mean, it, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. They are a favorite for a reason. They are so, so explosive. We saw it already twice this postseason. They could get down early and then score 50 points in the matter of two quarters. So yep. it's hard to justify betting against the Kansas City Chiefs it, that, like I like I said, it, that's basically what it comes down to. If you want to bet the numbers and if you want to bet uh, with your brain, 49ers are the pick. If you want to bet with your gut, the Chiefs are going to be the pick. 
Okay, what about the total? Uh, 54.5 is what we're looking at right now for the total number of points. How are you reading that one? Yeah, so the total has moved a little bit from the opening line. It actually moved at 50, or it started, opened at 52.5, so it's moved two points up to 54.5. And I understand why. I mean, because, like I said, the Kansas City Chiefs are so explosive, they can score 50 points in a game, no problem. I personally lean the under in that, and I, I, that's going to be my play on the total is going to be the under. And I think it mostly comes down to a couple of things, the first one being we know the 49ers are going to run the ball. When you run the ball, the clock keeps moving. Uh, the more time gets spent and the less time there is to score points. And on the other side of things, I mean, there's just Super Bowl jitters. We've seen that a lot. We saw that, I think, a little bit in the Super Bowl last year where offenses, especially now that they've taken two weeks off, the offenses are going to need a little bit of time to kind of find their groove. They're, it's a huge moment for them, the, bigger, the biggest moment in all of their professional careers. It's going to take a little bit, I think, for the offenses to settle down and try to find their groove. 54.5, that's a lot of points. So I'm going to lean the under on the total. With Ian McMillan from Odd Shark, who joins us on Thursdays. You've got odds on the Super Bowl MVP. How's that looking right now? Yeah, so the interesting thing about Super Bowl MVP is, is it's, mo- it's usually a quarterback that gets it. So Patrick Mahomes is the favorite right now to win Super Bowl MVP. So if you're leaning towards betting on the Chiefs, you can get a little bit more value just taking Mahomes to win MVP because, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious if the Chiefs do win the game, it's probably going to be Patrick Mahomes that's going to win Super Bowl MVP. So he's the favorite right now, plus 115. Jimmy Grappolo, the other quarterback, is second on the list just because it usually goes to a quarterback. He's a plus 275. But we've seen uh, this in the conference championship game. He may not throw the ball at all. He threw it eight times in the conference championship game, so I don't think there's a lot of value there. If you're looking for a long shot to win Super Bowl uh, MVP. I think you want to look at either Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill. If Patrick Mahomes doesn't get it, it's going to go to one of those two guys. Both of them are at 15 to one to win Super Bowl MVP. Uh, we've seen him feed Kelsey a, a couple of games where he just concentrates on Kelsey the whole game. And I think if they're going to move the ball really well against the San Francisco defense, I think they're going to have to utilize their tight end. So that's going to be my long shot pick uh, for MVP. It's going to be Travis Kelsey at 15 to one. Most fun part of the Super Bowl especially if you don't have a rooting interest. Yeah, you know what? You put a little action on the game or the total, but it's the prop bets. That's that's the most fun part because, you know, you can put a, a buck 50 or four bucks or five, but whatever you want to do, these prop bets are a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And there is there is almost an unlimited amount of prop bets um, you can bet on. Head over to Odd Shark. Head over to our website. We have got pages on pages. There is Super Bowl literally has hundreds and hundreds of prop bets, but – the main one, the one that everyone has a lot of fun with, uh, is the, how long the national anthem will be. So it's Demi Lovato doing the national anthem, and every single year this is the most popular prop bet to bet on. There's a little bit of controversy last year. I think uh, the singer ended but then extended a little bit, so there was some controversy, but this is easily the most um, popular one. It actually opened up when the line first got released, was one minute and 55 seconds. That's now been bet all the way up to two minutes and four seconds. So people think Demi Lovato is going to stretch this national anthem out. People even go back and, like, they research old uh, other times that Demi Lovato is saying the national anthem. She's saying that the Conor McGregor... Floyd Mayweather fight there a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of years ago, um, but all the way up to two minutes and four seconds. I mean, it, it's a silly bet, so obviously don't bet very much on it. Like you said, a couple of bucks here or something, um, but two minutes and four seconds, that's a little bit too long in my opinion. I'm going to take the under uh, uh, for the national anthem, under two minutes and four seconds. So, and halftime props as well, right? 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, we got Shakira and J-Lo is, uh, is doing the halftime. So if you're more interested in the halftime show than you are the game itself, you can bet on the halftime show as well. Even things from what will be the first song uh, you know, that, that they'll sing, will they show A-Rod uh, during the halftime show. Uh, there's a million different things you can bet on during that. So if you have no interest in the game, if you're, just, if you're there at a party and you're kind of more interested in the halftime show, uh, you can place a couple fun bets on that as well. And finally, you've got some odds on individual player stats and, and some over-under props you could play there. Yeah, absolutely. So this is more of more the basic football player props you can bet on in most games. But, of course, I mean, if you don't like the side or total, which I don't blame you because the side and total in this game is very tough to tell, uh, you can look at some player props. So Patrick Mahomes right now, his total for passing yards, 305 yards over or under. You can get a little bit more value on the under. And that, in my opinion, uh, you can bet on how many rushing yards for each player. We saw Raheem Mostert, uh, the San Francisco running back there in the conference championship game. He went off for over 200 yards. And his total in this game, I believe it's only about 72. Uh, so if you think Raheem Mostert can get a lot of yards, they fed him all throughout the conference championship. I expect them uh, to feed him again in this game. And they're going up against a team that has proven they aren't great most of the time in stopping the run. I think there's a lot of value to take the over on the Raheem Mostert uh, rushing yards there as well. Good stuff, Ian. Appreciate it, as always, my friend. Enjoy Super Bowl 54 on Sunday. I'm looking forward to seeing how much money I can win. Yes, absolutely. Good luck to anyone who bets. And, of course, if you're looking for any information, if you want to know how to bet on the Super Bowl, all the different odds, uh, head over to Odd Shark. And we've also got a live show on YouTube. Uh, search Odd Shark on YouTube. That'll go live at 12 p.m. Eastern on Super Bowl Sunday. That is... Uh... Ian McMillan from Odd Shark. Thank you, pal. We'll talk to you next week. He joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. The same secret recipe since 1975. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Okay, we're at the Scotiabank Saddledome today. Flames aren't practicing. Flames aren't playing. Nope, we're here because there are going to be thousands of rowdy human beings in this building in about two hours' time. Crowchild Classic is today and tonight. We're setting you up for it on both sides, starting with the Mount Royal side coming up next. This is Pinder and Steinberg and the Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Text Pinder and Steinberg right now. Keep it clean, make it relevant. The Glenmore Audi Fan Feedback Line is 960-960. Text in anytime. Normal data rates may apply. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time flies. Enjoy the ride. Experience amazing with Lexus of Calgary. Get the 2020 Lexus NX 300 all-wheel drive from 228 bi-weekly with a down payment of 5411 plus delivery credits up to 1500 and lease rates from 0.9% for 36 months. Now is the time to get into a 2020 Lexus NX 300. Offer ends January 31st. Visit Lexus of Calgary today. It's going to be a big weekend at Circle K. From January 30th to February 2nd, get Doritos or Ruffles, three for $10. And Briar's Classic 1.66 liter assorted ice cream, two for $8. Stop by Circle K and enjoy this incredible big weekend offer. Circle K, take it easy. 
You almost ready for the party tonight? You bet. Just finishing my run on my Bowflex Max. 60 The Fan. Calgary, Calgary. Hey, it's Pro Child Classic Day in the city. I think by now, if you're a hockey fan in Calgary, you know what the Pro Child Classic is. This is one of the events of the hockey calendar every year in this city. In fact, this is the largest student gathering every year in this city. We've got the Mount Royal Cougars and the University of Calgary Dinos. Four o'clock for the men, seven o'clock for the ladies. This is going to be a lot of fun at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome today. we got Bert Gilling, the head coach of the MRU men's hockey team with us in studio. Hello, Bert. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. How, uh, how like, you're playing in just over two hours' time, like, and you're doing an interview. Like, this is, uh, this is not the, uh, this is not the typical game day routine no not from the from the regular season and how we normally operate at the university and and uh, flames community arenas but it's fun it's great and you know we all come from the different hockey backgrounds where this is kind of the norm either in junior or college hockey so it's fun it's good to to uh uh, for the universities to kind of come to the forefront for a night, and and everyone's excited to be here today. This is this one that that your guys circle on the calendar every year. You're like, okay, which game are we playing UFC at the at the Saddle Dome? Yeah, for sure. You know, like it's a it's a marquee game, and it's a at the youth sport level. Um, it's arguably the biggest game in the country, right? And so it's a selling point for us in the recruiting process. It's something for all of our players to look forward to, and and uh, to play in this sort of environment, this sort of atmosphere. And really, the stars of the show are the students that show up and, and make the atmosphere, right? We just get to take part in the event. Yeah. It's, it's the students at the institutions that make that are the stars. Well, and the, the best part about this year's game, like, this is a huge game. You take a look at the Canada West standings, there's not much separating the Dinos and the Cougars. You guys are two points apart. You both clinch playoff spots, but two points apart. This is a big game for playoff seeding. Well, it seems like we're always in a dogfight with them anyways, and then... This year in particular, uh, it's been kind of tight. Like the top four kind of separated earlier on in our league. And for us, we hit a little dry spell um, just going into Christmas time and then starting to come out of it. And, you know, Calgary had a little dry spell early in January and they had a big sweep against Alberta. So, yeah, as I was mentioning earlier, we've got four games left in our regular season. Right now, this is a fight for third place, um, which, again, has playoff implications. So and with only really three games left in our season after today, there's going to be a lot of intensity on the ice. How much, how much fun, first of all, from a coaching standpoint, so you're behind the bench, how much fun is this to coach in and be a part of knowing the atmosphere and knowing what it's going to be like out there? Well, on the micro level, it can be a little hairy. Right, like it's hard to get your players emotionally under control because there's so much emotion and so much energy with all the students and all the noise and everything else, and and just keeping them focused on the task at hand sometimes gets to be very challenging. Um, from the from the larger scope, it's awesome, right? It's awesome for our schools. It's awesome for our alumni to be talking about this. It's awesome to be recognized in the city of Calgary and to be on the radio and get national attention and new sport for the uh, uniqueness of this event and um, makes it all worthwhile. At the end of the day, it's what it's all about. So players, the, the, it can be one of those scenarios where you're in a game like this, like maybe the emotions and the adrenaline is too high. Like that's something that you got to keep an eye on? The energy. Like, and again, most of our players have played in this rank either through the WHL or wherever else, right? Max tournament and everything else. But it's, I was explaining it to one of our staff members this morning, the uniqueness of this environment and atmosphere today is there's constant noise, right? Like you've got half the building in blue for Mount Royal. You've got half the building in red. 
they're all students who are juiced up on adrenaline and everything else right, to, else to make some noise. <laughs> and the, the Saddle Dome, it's a full production, so they get everybody revved up the whole time. So there's constant noise from start to finish and just the energy. I've had players who come to me and sat there and said, holy smokes, like my heart rate didn't get down until the middle of the second period, coach. Like they're trying to breathe, they're trying to do all this, but it's, and that's what makes it such a fun event. With Bert Gilling, the head coach of the MRU men's hockey team, 4 o'clock, they take on the UFC uh, at the Crowchild Classic. Pinder and Steinberg's going to be up in the press box, so you'll get the atmosphere while the game is going on. I'm looking forward to it. 1-1 one and one in the season series so far against the UFC. Tell us about, it's been a little while, but the first two games against the Dinos, how'd they go? Like they always go. Nail biters down to the last minute. You one know, was overtime. One was overtime, you know, and that's, and uh, it's, you look at our games here in the past, like, you know, I think three of them have been to double overtime. You know, last year was in the last minute. Um, we're, we're just really tight, and we're kind of an interesting contrast. You know, they're kind of big and strong and physical, and we like to try to push the pace a little bit, and um, it's, uh, it's going to make for a great hockey game, like I say. And, and so we're fully anticipating another one. Again, who knows in this environment what it's going to be like, but with what's on the line, I think it's going to be a really playoff-type um, intensity on the ice. You touched on your season a little earlier, kind of a little slow out the gates, and, and then you started to come on. But as a whole, through 24 games, how would you evaluate your season to this point? Oh, very successful. You know, I, it, Again, and this is my sixth year here. The first three years, uh, we had good success. We were, again, a 3-4 seed consistently. Um, but then we took a little step back. Like we had to change things up a little bit in terms of, okay, how do you get over to the next level? How do you, how do you get to that top two Canada West championship level? We had to, you know, make some alterations in our recruiting process and identify some different type players. I think we're starting to see the benefits of that now. You know, we swept Saskatchewan earlier in the year. We've beat Alberta this year, which we haven't done in like three or four years. Um, we're going neck, neck and neck right now with, with uh, University of Calgary. I think the best is yet to come, but I am happy with the progress we've made this particular season. Well, and and you have been you have been basically at the helm and and with the Cougars since they made the jump to U Sports. Two years, yep, yep, yeah, two years after, yep. So it's basically been you the whole time. You got to take a lot of pride in in being able to like look. You make the jump from one level to the next, going from ACAC to U Sports is that's a big jump, and and yet here you are. You've you've been really consistently successful I, I know that you're focused on the here and now and and it's all about the guys on the ice but you got to take some pride in that don't you well at the university level it's tradition and a little legacy piece right like we've um, gone extra put an extra time on developing our alumni base called the long blue line recognizing every former player that's ever put on a cougar jersey that goes back to 1911 you know, we're just building the pride in the program and, and letting people know who we are, the level that we're at. You're starting to see it in recruiting now, right? When we call these guys around in the WHL and AJHL, like sometimes they're calling us now. They know who we are. They're excited to hear from us. Uh, we're starting to get some better players. It's all, you know, sometimes that progress kind of inches along, right? We just wish you'd get right to the top. But I am happy with the progress that we've made. Um, you know, the biggest step, it's kind of like altitude training, right? The, the next step's the hardest, and that's where I feel like we're at, but I think we're going to get there. See, I'm a, I'm a SAIT guy, so I was, you know, I, I was, it was ingrained in me to dislike Mount Royal. Huge rivalry there, too. But, uh, right? but that, now there's no longer a rivalry, so it's like I can, I, it doesn't happen <laughs> anymore. I don't, I don't look at you with disdain. Yeah. Uh, with Bert Gilling, the head coach of the MRU men's hockey 
team, which is playing in the Crochon Classic, 4 o'clock against the University of Calgary. I guess just final thought, tell us about your group this year. Tell us about the guys, and, and you know, if, if you're coming to the game, who should we be watching? Who are uh, who are some of the leaders on your group this year? Yeah, well, I think it's interesting, and, and there's a lot of good players on the ice, really, for both teams, you know, for our team in particular. Riley Lindgren, number 17, has had a very, very strong year, and was a very good WHL player, and, and his last year was at over 30 goals between Lethbridge and Swift Current. Um, he made our U Sport All-Star team that beat the Canadian National Junior Team in exhibition this year, and he's had, uh, I think he's tied for the league in, score, in goal scoring uh, right now. And So he's an exciting player, assistant captain for us. We've had you know, guys like uh, on our back end, you'll see we're, a little, we're, we're built like a Division One team on the back end. We've got... Uh, two former forwards that we moved to the back end for mobility and puck skills, Jamal Watson, local player Connor Blake's been a neat story for us. Was a forward for four years in the AJHL at Grand Prairie. I recruited him as a defenseman, even though he hadn't played defense before. Uh, I think he's leading the, the league in rookie scoring. Um, Jesse Lease has been a prominent player for us. Uh, he'll be his last crow child. Uh, he'll be moving on to pro hockey next year. And then a couple of our younger guys, Andrew Fighton for the Calgary Hitmen. Yep. Uh, most recently with the Edmonton Oil Kings and you know, it was helps Swift Current get to the Memorial Cup a couple of years ago, and then Nolan Yaremko fighting uh, fights was at the Flames development camp this summer, and then Nolan Yaremko just coming back off an injury uh, finished the year last year with Stockton in the AHL and was a captain uh, with Tri City for over four years there. So, some guys are pretty prominent on our team, and then obviously the goaltenders come into play too. Uh, Riley Morris again played in Okotoks and was the Canadian Junior uh, Goalie of the Year a couple of years ago. It'll be his second Crow child, and hopefully he settles in and has a big night for us. Bert, thank you for doing this, first of all. Congratulations on the great season to this game. More importantly, if you can, I know it's a serious game, it's a big game, but try and have fun. Yeah, well, I mean, I get jealous. I wish I could be in the bleachers with them, enjoying the atmosphere with <laughs> all the kids. Right? I, miss those, I miss those days, too. But, no, it's it's great. We're, we're, we're very thankful. And yeah, just a real quick... Thank you to the Saddle Dome. Thank you to Sportsnet. Thank you to the Flames Foundation, the Calgary Flames, for, for giving us this opportunity, all of our institutions. It's really appreciated. We're happy to be part of it, man. Thanks for doing this. Okay, thank you. Burke Gillings, the head coach of the MRU men's hockey team, 4 o'clock against the UFC Dinos, Crow Child Classic. Uh, that'll do it for the Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. Don't forget to join us later on. Sports Drive at 5, brought to you by Pete the Plumber, the superheroes of plumbing and heating. Call 403-257-1766 or find them at PeteThePlumber.com for all your plumbing and heating needs. Well, I'm not sure one segment's going to be enough to get all of our thoughts on last night's Flames-Oilers showdown, but we're going to attempt to get it all in next when Pinder and Steinberg kicks off around the corner. That'll do it for the Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.